Hi everyone, this is Mike Michalowicz. I am the author of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, and my newest book, Profit First. And you are with me listening to The App Guy. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's me, your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and it's the podcast where we go and scour the earth and look for some of the best authors, the best uh, entrepreneurs, and, and people really can that can help us with our businesses, whether we are indie app developers, uh, whether we're founders and startup companies ourselves. So um, I've got a great guest lined up because he has interviewed just some of the, the best minds uh, around, and his name is Justin Mayers. And if you go to justinmayers.com, uh, you'll find uh, all about him. So Justin, uh, uh, wonderful. I mean, you're the, you're the co-author of Traction Book and uh, you've got a number of other things going on. So welcome to the App Guy podcast. Yeah, thanks, Paul, so much for having me. Well, I've been looking through the um, the book. I know it's uh, pre-released as at the time we're recording this, but uh, we'll go live soon. Uh, what a wonderful wealth of uh, interviews. Uh, Jimmy Wales, uh, Noah Kagan. I mean, the list is just phenomenal. Uh, could you Basically, give us a little bit of um, you know the backstory on on how you came up with the idea for uh, the book Traction, and yeah. uh, then how you ended up getting all these wonderful interviews. Yeah, for sure. So basically, my co-author and I, my co-author is running a startup called DuckDuckGo, and so it's a privacy-based search engine. Uh, previously, he sold a company that he was a solo founder, didn't raise any money, and sold it for ten million dollars like six years ago, and so. Uh, basically, what he realized after selling his company is, you know, he was getting into angel investing, and found that in today's world where it's relatively easy to build and launch a product, the difficult part of building a successful company is no longer like building a product. Like that's relatively easy to do. There are, you know, there's so many technical resources available, uh, and so the hard part of becoming successful has now shifted towards getting traction. Like if you talk to the average startup founder, the reason that most startups today are failing is not because like they can't build something, but it's much more often because they couldn't get customers. They couldn't reach the number of people they needed to build a sustainable business, to achieve profitability, or to raise their next round. And so we kind of saw this. I saw the same thing. I uh, started two companies, sold one, uh, the other was a bust, and uh, then I was director of revenue at a SaaS company that got acquired about a year and a half ago at this point. And so with that company, we essentially took a developer tool and it was run like as a side project by a couple of developers. And we, you know, they were getting okay traction, but it wasn't really a real business. And our team came in, we took it, like put a real business behind it, started marketing it, getting traction, and then sold it in a period of 18 months. And so, you know, together we kind of saw that traction is now the hardest thing for startups to get right, much less product. And so that's why we wrote this book, is to help startups with the thing that most of them are struggling the most with, which is getting traction, getting customers. 
Justin, well, what, wonderful that you've done this for the world. And firstly, I mean, your co-founder, DuckDuckDuckGo, is, uh, I use the search engine quite a lot. I love the search engine. It's good that you've got got that out there because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's an alternative to the almighty Google. Um, but yeah. <laughs> also, you know, I've never actually used the word traction on this show in, in you're the episode 125. But uh, thinking back, I would say that all the startup founders that I've interviewed, that is absolutely their one biggest uh, challenge. You know, they all uh, basically the the story goes that they spend a year and a half, two years building an exceptional app. Uh, they launch to a pretty low fanfare, maybe get one or two mentions in TechCrunch or Mashable, mm-hmm. and uh, get a, a little flurry of uh, initial downloads, and then basically it, it kind of ebbs away, and then it's all about marketing funding getting extra funds to uh yeah keep the company going so uh yeah i guess that is traction isn't it um is that is that fair that that's pretty much what you found when when you interviewed all these founders absolutely i mean if you look at especially in the app marketplaces what you're seeing is the apps that are winning are not ones that are like the best in terms of a feature like instagram did not win because it had some crazy technology that they applied to the app store. You know, it was like another photo app. But they built an incredible number of viral mechanics into the tool and into the app, which has led it to be one of the fastest growing apps out there. And so, you know, as someone who's building apps, as someone who's thinking about starting a company and getting traction, these things and like these ways that you can get traction are things that people should think about before they launch to no fanfare and then are like, well, I guess we have to start from ground zero in terms of marketing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because we've had, uh, you know, that some exceptionally um, good app developers who have thought about that prior. And the way they, they go about it, you know, a, a good app developer is that they will align themselves with someone who's already got a hungry audience of potential app users. Uh, you know, on the subject that actually they're building the app for. And then they do a partnership with that list, you know, so you've got someone either with a very big Facebook following or a Twitter following and has an engaged audience and but can't build an app. And so, you know, as an app developer, you go in, you do a 50-50 joint venture in that arrangement and build the app and do a launch sequence that really does kind of get a lot of initial traction up front because yeah. you're starting with a, a list. Uh, and uh, yet there's so many app developers out there that don't even think about that. They just spend all their time thinking about the product and yeah. not enough time on thinking about the, the ultimately the launch and the, the traction. Completely. I mean, it's almost, it, it's like sad in a lot of ways because you have these incredibly talented, like it is a risk. It's hard to leave your job and try and start a company. And you have these really talented people who are trying to start companies and are just failing because they aren't thinking about or accounting for the one like the thing that will have the biggest impact on their success so uh apps to tribe listening to this right now i'm sure that there are a lot of people who are in the, and, and almost agree with us uh, I, th- I think we can take it that there is this uh problem what um solutions have you found that you can share with us uh, that would would help with traction because I, I think it's such a hard thing to to almost measure, you know, how to actually create, you know, something that's viral or something that just takes off. Yeah, completely. So the one thing that we found in you know all of our interviews 
in our backgrounds as well is that people approach people who succeed approach marketing and approach traction in a certain way. And so to give you an example, uh, you know, imagine if you were talking to a founder or someone who's running, you know, product at a company and you said, you know, what's on your product roadmap? A lot of times you'll get back an answer, you know, here's a feature we want to build, here's another thing that we these customers want that helps them. Now, if you ask the same question saying, you know, like, what are you thinking in terms of marketing? Like, what's on your marketing roadmap? What are you going to do to get traction? Far too often you'll just get like, oh, um, you know, guest posts and like maybe we'll try ads. Like, there's, there's just no <laughs> strategy to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you, thought, if you think about it, like, that's crazy. And so in our interviews, we found that, uh, for example, Alex Pachikov, the co-founder of Evernote, he was saying how early on in building Evernote, you know, their multi-billion dollar valuation, millions and millions of users, uh, early on in that process, they thought and figured out, you know, like, here are the channels that we're going to focus on to grow this company. And so what we did is, like, through all these interviews, we pulled together this framework that all these founders and marketers use in to get traction. So we're calling it the bullseye framework. But basically what that means is using, like, you make an assessment, essentially, of where you are as a company, how much funding you have, uh, you know, what the go-to channels are to getting traction uh, in the customer segment you're targeting. And then you go through a couple exercises, which we cover in the book, uh, to drill down and really find and think about the one or two traction channels that will be big for you, that will be your main distribution channels. And so that's like pretty much, that's how to do it basically, is just be intentional and think about how you're actually going to get traction and not just like push it, push it off as this thing to worry about post-launch. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's go straight into perhaps your experience. I mean, you're releasing this book. Uh, we're in the pre-sale phase. I can see that you've obviously got a very slick uh, kind of marketing machine that's um, building up. And perhaps you could talk us through, you know, the, the steps that you're doing to gain traction for the book, for example, because I think that would be excellent, you know, hearing what, what you've obviously learned and putting that into practice. Yeah, absolutely. So what you see, so here's like the bullseye framework way to approach it. So, if, you know, we're saying like we want to launch a book. Okay, so we are what's doing like self-publishing 3.0. So basically uh, we turned down a publishing deal. We're going to be self-publishing, but we hired editors from HarperCollins and all this stuff. So anyway, that's all, that's all just to say that we don't have a publisher. And so traditionally, if you want to get, you know, move a lot of copies of the book, what you would do is you would have your publisher put it in bookstores, then try and get like old media PR around the book, which convinces bookstores to stock it in the stores, and then people walk by and they pick it up and they buy it. Now, since we're not doing that, what we're focusing on is doing launching, launching in the style that someone like a Tim Ferriss or some other startup like the Lean Startup has done. So we're focusing very much on uh, talking with people like you, you know, getting on podcasts, getting on blogs, uh, getting in front of people who have large email lists. We're doing a launch with a couple companies that have software tools like Moz, uh, Customer.io, HubSpot, and we're going to be doing some co-promotions with them. So we're doing all of these things basically to get in front of as many startup founders and as many people interested in marketing as we can. 
Well, that's excellent. I mean, um, I love the fact that you kind of are doing these co-promotions. Obviously, the best of the bunch is um, an interview on the App Guy podcast. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> this is number one. <laughs> so uh, oh, it's great, you know. And actually, I mean, I'm uh, doing a daily show here at the moment, and uh, I uh, have my own strategies for attracting guests to the show. How on earth did you get so many top uh, in- interviews? I mean, it's just the guest list is phenomenal, and you know, what, what sort of yeah. clout did you have? To, uh, perhaps you can share with us the sort of strategies that you use to get people like Jimmy Wales and, uh, you know, the founder of Evident, all these wonderful um, startups. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, so we had two things working to our advantage. One, my co-author, Gabe, is relatively well known. You know, there's a certain circle of startup, like tech startup people that you get into once you exit a company and are in the angel investing scene and all of this. Um, you know, and then now he's doing DuckDuckGo, which is a pretty ambitious project. Uh, you know, they're funded by some top tier angels. So he had some good connections. And so what we did is like when Eric Reese was coming out, uh, when he was launching, I think it was the Lean Startup Conference, he wanted to promote that. And so that's when we pinged him for an interview. And, you know, he was just kind of on the interview scene. And so we got him. Gabe got introduced to Jimmy Wales. And so uh, we got him as well. And then once we got, couple big names, you know, someone like, uh, you know, Rand Fishkin, who awesome, awesome, incredible guy, he was running moz.com, you know, he sees Traction Book and he might be like, okay, you know, that's interesting, I'm kind of busy, but if he sees someone like Eric Reese and Jimmy Wales, that makes him much more likely to join and to do an interview because he sees this as a higher value thing to get involved with. Yeah, because I can imagine that, you know, as a guest, um, you, you're providing the content then, which ultimately will, you'll be in the book. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that they're attracted to, you know, the idea of um, eventually ending up in as, as um, you know, a guest on in your book. Is that is that kind of what appealed to them? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Brilliant. And I mean, you know, I did the I did a similar thing. Like I looked at the guests that you've had on here. And I was like, this is really cool. I'm really excited to be on this podcast, you know? Uh, whereas I got reached out. So you and I connected over Twitter. I had someone reach out to me on Twitter asking me to join up. Uh, this is a week ago, I guess. And I saw their podcast, and it was, like, pretty clear that it was not somewhat, something that people really listened to. And so that's just one of those that I passed on, you know? And people make these kinds of evaluations all the time. And so us having big names was really, really useful. So uh, I'd love to know how you use Twitter as well, because I mean, I've, um, I've been using Twitter quite frequently uh, to, you know, approach people and in, in, in the right way. And mm-hmm. uh, it'd be, be interesting to see how, how you're using it, um, you know, to uh, either reach out to potential guests or to uh, uh, really help with the promotion of the book. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, I actually don't make Twitter that much of a focus. I basically only reply to people that tweet at me and don't actually do any outbound uh, tweeting. And in general, too, to get guests, like anyone who is, like the type of people that we really wanted to get involved in Traction Book are generally not ones who are replying to every tweet that they get. You know? And so so we just found email... Email intros, especially, were the most useful way to get in touch with these people. Now, I, I, I mean, here's um, s- something I've learned, uh, which I think is in- interesting to share with the Appster tribe listening to this, is that um, th- you'll be surprised that 
you know, the high profile people who are on Twitter, uh, how some of them are not getting a lot of retweets and a lot of you know favorites of their tweets. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, what I've decided to do is anyone who I'm targeting, you know, I'll spend uh, quite a lot of time retweeting and promoting and, you know, just kind of getting, getting noticed. And it's very easy because sometimes you're, you know, you're one of only three people that retweet and, uh, you know, doing this helps build up a rapport for me, uh, for, for the, the, you know, the potential guests so that when I do reach out, you know, whether it's either Twitter or whether some, some other means, you know, through usually a, a contact of uh, theirs, then, you know, it, it, uh, actually you've already got kind of some traction, I guess I'm using that word traction. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I love it. What what um what other stuff do you tend to use then uh, to to reach out to these um, guests and what other social medias uh, are you getting involved with? So yeah, so honestly, uh, I predominantly use two things. So one, email. Like I for especially for someone I don't know, doing getting introductions or doing just a cold email is the most useful way I've found to get in touch with someone. Now, on the other side. If I really have a good relationship with someone and there's someone that I want to, you know, get involved in like their life and build a deeper relationship, then, you know, I use Facebook with that because I think that that's like a really good way to get to know someone and connect with someone on more of a personal level. But outside of that, I I really don't do too much in terms of social media. Like, frankly, I'm not that good at it. Like I'm not super <laughs> clever or witty. And so just things like Twitter is, you know, I'm not funny on Twitter. And it's just not my, uh, not my speed. <laughs> well, you know, Justin, one of the biggest um, challenges I have in, in a way is uh, learning how to use Facebook that, you know, is for a business purpose because uh, at the moment, you know, my, my 10 year old account is uh, been predominantly for family and friends, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, over the last um I guess a half a year since I've been doing this, I've been getting a lot of uh, requests uh, from guests, you know, to, to be a friend of mine. I don't know how to use um, Facebook for this kind of double life, you know, between work <laughs> and play. Is that a common problem you see for, um, you know, the way people use Facebook to interact? Um, yeah, I think that that is a problem. It's not one that I've personally come across, but for sure. I mean, it's a weird, it, it's, it can be weird. You know, there are some people that are shameless about self-promotion that I'm friends with, but, you know, like it can be weird. It's just something that I think everyone has to figure out and like personally find a place where they're comfortable, you know. So, Justin, one of the things we do two things on this show, typically. Um, one is that we'd love to ask you about uh, apps, uh, get one or two apps that maybe you use. Um, I guess the first question is, are you a smartphone user? Do you own a smartphone and do you end up using apps? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, okay. I mean, 99.9% <laughs> of people tend to do that. Um, so uh, would you be able to have a look at your phone and just tell us maybe, you know, off the top of your head, one or two apps that maybe we possibly wouldn't have come across but uh, are uh, really interesting apps, for, you know, for your business or personal life? Totally, yeah. So personal, I love this new app I downloaded called Tap Talk. Uh, so it's like... So it's really, really, it's kind of like Snapchat, but it, there's a limited number of people that you can have connected. So I think there's, yeah, it looks like there's 11 people that, no, 10 people that you can be friends with. Um, and basically it's just like a really, really easy, fast way to send pictures and like messages and videos to your friends. 
it's super fun. Probably my probably my favorite app right now. Right. And then, okay. and then the other app that so can I say three? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, perfect. So the other is I have this app called Pocket that allows me to save any long form or any article that I read online. Uh, you know, so I can just hit the little pocket button, copies the URL, and pushes the text into this app called Pocket, and I can read it later, like whenever I'm traveling or doing whatever. So that's really, really cool. Basically, like you see an article online, put it in your pocket, and you can read it anytime you want, even if you don't have an internet connection. So love that one. And then this last one is, I just got it a couple of weeks ago, but it's been really useful. Uh, it's called Captio, C-A-P-T-I-O. And uh, you know when you are in a meeting or like you have a thought and you want to shoot yourself an email? Yes. Like just to um, remember? Uh, so basically this app is like, you pull it open, it's just a blank text file, type out your note, hit send, and it like emails you whatever the note is. Which, it sounds really stupid, but <laughs> I find myself using it a lot more than I was when I was like opening up my mail app and then composing a new message and then typing in who it was going to, which was me, and then you know writing the note itself. Oh, that's such an interesting idea. I mean, that's almost a segue to um, the next sort of topic we tend to talk about, I tend to talk about, is uh, coming up with an app idea uh, so that, you know, the apps to tribe listing, maybe it gives them some ideas to build an app. And I've already started thinking, you, you've come up there with an interesting concept, which is taking very popular apps, but even just removing one or two or three steps in a process mm -hmm. and making it super focused, it can become a incredibly useful and just like the mail app there that you were talking about, you know, just taking away those one, two, three, three clicks. Totally. Uh, and it's become useful. And that, that can not just be for mail. I mean, that could be for a lot of the stuff that we end up doing. Um, you know, just, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, I want, I want like the Captio kind of thing. Like I want that for Twitter. I would use Twitter more if I could just open something up, type it and it would automatically tweet it. And I wouldn't have to go like Twitter app, new message, you know, all of that, like that would be cool. I want one for text messaging as well. Like I wish there was a text message app that was like just me and my mom, <laughs> you know? So yeah. like there are just, there are things like this where I think Captio is onto something. Uh, and more than that, I'm just mad that I didn't think of that idea. Like it's so basic and they've sold thousands and thousands of them at like two bucks a pop. Yeah. And you know, I, Oh, I mean, you got me thinking now. There's just so many different ideas. You're right. And uh, just taking away those few steps and uh, then coming up. Uh, so we could just uh, almost every every kind of thing that we're doing on the earphone, um, we could just uh, end up uh, just doing a few little taps. And uh, okay, so that that's uh, the ideas for the apps to tribe there. Um, you've got uh, have a think about the apps that are your favorite and uh, have a think about streamlining those. And uh calling it uh you know not captio but something similar and uh yeah that could that could be a really good idea um justin uh, and how was how does it feel like to be interviewed and not be the interviewer <laughs> i like it it's yeah. easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah what um, and now look i'm i know it's impossible it's like choosing a child you know if i was to say what your favorite interview was i mean you've got so many and i know you can't pull out one or two because that's that would be unfair but in terms of the 
the audience you're talking to right now, the Appster tribe, we are a bunch of either indie app developers. Some of us are working full time and want to be app developers uh, for mm-hmm. for a living. Uh, you know, we're just looking for inspiration uh, from all the stories that you've heard in the all the hours that you've interviewed these top people. What things can you pull from those interviews that could really help us and ch- change the way we think about the way we're approaching our businesses and to help us get traction? Yeah. So can I have a can I make a special offer to your audience? Yeah. Help. Go. Go ahead. Awesome. So actually, my favorite interview was probably the one with Evernote's co-founder, especially in terms of getting traction in the App Store. It was amazing. And so if, you, if anyone in your audience buys the book and they just shoot me an email, uh, I will happily send them a transcript of the Evernote interview, which uh, you know, we're not going to be publicly releasing, but like, happy to send it to anyone who wants that transcript. It's gold. It is so, so good. How old is Alex? Do you know? I think he's like mid to late thirties. <laughs> okay, he looks quite young actually, and yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it just shows you how far we've come with um, apps in such a short space of time. Because I, uh, I think I started using Evernote. I basically use Evernote four or five times a day now, and uh, I remember using it initially, and I just could not. You know, it's one of those things that just took a while to kind of get used to. It, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. It. It was a little bit clunky and. And yet, you know, he's obviously worked so hard on the app and it's such a beautiful app now. I mean, even today I was opening up Evernote and uh, there's this new feature where you can um, insert a photo uh, from yep. your for your iPhone and then edit and put annotate a, 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 on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that's a great offer. Thank you so much, Justin, for offering that to the audience there. So uh, that is if you we buy your book, um, your book and we... Um, we mentioned that we heard this uh, on the App Guy podcast, and um, you're going to send over the uh, transcript of uh, the co-founder of Evernote, Alex um, Pachikov. How do you say it? Yeah, Pachikov. Pachikov. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really, really good. And you know, I just actually had an idea. I think that a Captio for Evernote would be a decent idea too. Like, I would probably use that as well. Well, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges they've got because. Um, if you think about it, there's so, so many cool features in Evernote. You know, I was using the other day some unheard of. I didn't even know it did it. Um, the the business card capture because they bought um, yeah. card, they bought card munch and they've actually automated the whole thing. It used to be a, a almost like a manual process of taking the card and, and uh, then turning it into a digital format and uh, sending it back to you. But they've, uh, it's really cool now. It works perfectly. And I, um, but of course, when you search for business card scanner in the app store, the Apple app store, for example, you don't get Evernote, you get a bunch of other stuff. And yet Evernote is probably, I would say the best, um, but it's hidden mm-hmm. within their big app. So the challenge for um, companies like Evernote is, do they one, start stripping out some of these features and having them as standalone apps? Uh, or do they continue to kind of add features to that app and make it over, you know, overwhelming? Uh, and the, the the danger is that you know people like um, well the founders of uh, Square, uh, Foursquare. I noticed Foursquare have started making a decision to strip out its check-in service and mm-hmm. call call it Swarm. And you want to look at the reviews; they're all one star. People hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there you can see why. You know, and, and Google are the same. Google have stripped out from Google Drive uh, the Google Docs and the the Google. Um, I know. Uh, and this, so these, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Do you have any kind of guidance, I guess, on 
you know, that that um, potential problem? Yeah, so honestly, it depends. Like in Evernote's case, they have actually built, uh, they've built like Evernote Food and some of these other Evernote, these apps that leverage Evernote technology, but don't, um, you know, are not baked right into the original Evernote app. And I think that just depends on the demand for apps in that category. Like it might make sense if, you know, Evernote wants to acquire new users. Like this is one thing that they focused on is they built the food-specific Evernote app to get like all of the foodies and people who are downloading recipes onto Evernote. Now, with something like Foursquare, people who download that download it for the check-in function. Now, to strip that out just seemed strange. <laughs> so that's a decision I would question. But you know, I don't know the guys there. I'm not involved. So maybe there's a bigger strategy there. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it does seem rather strange. Uh... So as I mean, we're getting towards the end. Uh, I, I honestly could talk to you for hours and hours because I mean, we could almost pick every single guest and go through their stories. Because <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna have to go and buy the book. That's clearly. Um, I mean, I I'm gonna be putting my pre order in uh, after we finish. Um, I appreciate how, it. How um, and also, I guess um, we could. Uh, it's on Amazon, so we could leave you uh, a review as well. Um, that's something I'd encourage. Please, yeah. <clears throat> How best can we reach out uh, to you? How best can we connect? What's the, obviously, yeah, it's about so, social media, so <laughs> I guess email. <laughs> yeah, so anyone who tweets at me, I will respond to. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you can check out my blog. You can find my email address at justinmares.com. So, you know, feel free, anyone to reach out. Otherwise, you know, would love to chat over Twitter. I'm jwmares. Um, you know, Twitter or whatever. Love to get in touch with anyone who heard this interview and heard it, thinks it was useful. Sure, and of course, there are all the the links to your book and to your uh, social media accounts and to your email uh, is going to be in the appguy.co in your episode. Just search for Justin Mayers on there, you'll find it. What Justin? It was an absolute honor to have uh, you uh, prior to your book launch. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed going through. Um, I'm going to add your all three of your uh, app requests to the top app report that I have on my uh, website. And uh, uh, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Would love to help you out when we have Traction 2, the book coming out. And uh, Great. in the meantime, all the best with the launch. And uh, certainly tap into us anytime to we can help you out. Absolutely. Lots of work to be done. But thanks, Paul. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.